Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Which we left, Jesus didn't speak about faith so much in church as He did outside of church. And I believe that I, what, I, what I believe ought to work just as well out there as it does in here. Uh, And so I want to encourage you tonight that you and I can be the kind of people that become a well of refreshing for others in our life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul writing to this young man, his protege, says this, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, that without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity is the word we would use today, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's a powerful insight here into the nature of faith that I want to dig into. And again, I encourage you to think about You know, probably not everybody around about you in your world, at your workplace or at your uni or in your neighbourhood, probably not everybody wants you to go and drag a pulpit and stick it out in front of your house and say, just everybody stop while I preach to you and tell you my doctrine. Probably you're not going to get that far if you stand up in the lunchroom at work or in the restaurant or some other place like that and say, hey, guess what? This is what I read in the Bible. But can I tell you that everybody around about you needs a spirit of faith that you live and that you carry. That is the atmosphere around about your life. Everybody needs that. I've never been anywhere where people didn't need faith. I've prayed for people in hospitals where uh, it's all about what's written on the chart at the foot of the bed. And yet I know that what they need, uh, along with all the science, and by the way, there's two doctors in the, in the uh, audience, at least another three. Uh, so I know that we are not in any sense kind of going, well, the faith somehow or other, you can chuck all that out. I don't believe that at all. But I know that in all of those places, people need to have somebody that turns up who's got something beyond just simply uh, as their experience of life or what they know. They need something. People need to be able to touch God by touching you. People need to be able to touch God by touching you. People don't need any more theology, really. They're not interested in any more theories. I don't think people need a whole lot of should be's and could be's and ought to be's and better be's. I think what people need to know is there's something about you. There's something about your life. And Paul writes this to Timothy and he's Paul's protege and yet acknowledges that the faith Timothy has came to him from someone else. And I want you to notice that when he, he he's kind of commends his grandma and his mum, and that wasn't the, can I say it, the denominational kind of faith. It wasn't kind of like, well, my grandma was an Anglican and my mum was an Anglican, so of course I'm an Anglican. It wasn't talking about that kind of faith. 
in the Scripture when He's speaking about faith. He's talking about the kind of faith that actually changes things in people's world. He's talking about the kind of faith that when you activate it, there is a divine result. There's a supernatural thing takes place out of that. And He says to this guy, it actually never came from me. Even though he's the great Apostle Paul, the one who's had all this amazing revelation from heaven, got communion directly from Jesus and all that stuff. He says it actually came from somebody who was not known for their pulpit or for their preaching or for their great spiritual experience. He actually says you got faith from someone that most other people don't know. You got it from your mum and you got it from your grandma. And neither the mum nor the grandma were preachers. And I don't say that to dismiss preaching, but I think so often we kind of go, well, if you're called, you should have faith. But then I would say to you, but we're all called. And I would say to you, every one of us ought to be a carrier of faith in our life and you can be. And so if Eunice and Lois, his mum and his grandma, if they could be a carrier of faith, a vibrant, active faith that moves the hand of God, then I'm absolutely convinced you can be. I'm absolutely convinced. Matter of fact, I think that's actually God's plan for the church. I don't think God's plan for the church is to have superstars up on platforms with choirs humming in the background. I think what He means is wherever you are, wherever you go. You know, the the first Christians weren't called Christians, in case you didn't know. They were simply called believers. And that says to me that the very nature of what I am before we've ever got into this thing of are you a Christian or aren't you? Is that we are meant to be believers. We're meant to be somebody that believes, not somebody who's got a theory. We're meant to be people like that, that have got some something otherworldly about our life. Most of us, I think, have grown up, I certainly did, thinking of faith that is something entirely contained within one person. Well, I have faith or you have faith. But Paul is saying that you can actually give it away into other people's lives. Think about this for a minute. Almost all of Jesus' faith was given away for others. Jesus never was sick. So obviously His faith for healing was never about Him. It was always about others. Jesus was never uh, bound up. He never needed to be set free, but other people did. And so His faith was always activated on somebody else. You know, there'd be people about your life that are suffering from depression and don't know how to shift it. And thank God for every psychologist. We got Dr. Robbie coming in a month or so's time. A great Christian psychologist. I'm, I'm thrilled at all of the learning that we are now getting in our world about how the brain works. But can I tell you that along with all of that, you could be a powerful person in that person's life just by putting your arm around them and saying, if that's appropriate in the workplace, probably isn't anymore, but, uh, but at least saying to somebody, hey, listen, I'm going to pray for you. And then not just going, well, Lord, I just read out, you know, my brother and Mary at work and Jason and, and, you know, like some kind of ritualistic thing, but where you are actually believing God to set those people free and for God to do something. 
And you might go back to work the next week and they go, I'm better or, or I'm feeling better. Or they might go back the next week and they go, I don't feel any better yet. But faith never is ever about just a one single moment. It's about going on. I pray for my family every single day and believe for my family. But you know what? I don't think it's all about one moment for them. That is the big whiz bang deal. It's about going, we build something. Amen. We build something. And we continue with that. And so Jesus never needed provision, but other people did. And so he activated his faith, turned water into wine, multiplied the loaves and the fish and fed 5,000, etc. And so we understand from this that not all faith is about me and my problems and my needs, but much of what God has put inside of you is meant to be a seed sown for other people. And I'm really praying tonight that you get this And that you go out of here not to be weird, not to be kind of like, you know, Superman with a cape and where's my big S carved on my chest and look out, here I come. These hands are registered with the government of heaven, Uh, uh, you know, or something rather like that. But rather just going out and with wisdom saying, I'm going to be a wellspring of faith for people that are around about my life. I believe that there's many people like that around about our world that need it. And so the great Apostle Paul really was saying, you know what, you can pass this on. All faith is a foundation that we're meant to build on, but we can also all be a part of building somebody else's faith. So strap you on your seatbelt and and click your brain in right now, all right? I need you to think through some of this because I'm going to say some things. I don't know whether I've ever said them before, but they're, they're real. Some of them are so simple. And yet, how do I become a wellspring of faith? Well, I need to go to Bible college. Well, that's good if you go to Bible college, but I've seen Bible college, you know, help some people and not help others. Uh, I've seen some people come out and out and get out of the hot uh, house environment of that and not go well. I don't know whether that would be the thing you're meant to do, but I do know this much, that if you and I will say, God, I want my life to have an impact for others. Think about this. God worked for 24 years with Abram, who he later named Abraham. And he said, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And the entire struggle for Abraham's faith was meant to be a blessing to the whole world. And so it has been. So I want you to think bigger tonight about your life. And I want you to think, I wonder what would happen if I could become a wellspring of faith. I wonder what would happen in my workplace if instead of just going along with the flow of everybody else, what would happen if my life became something that fed the people around about me? In your home maybe, or at your uni, or wherever else you might find yourself. So let me just give you three things, and they're pretty simple. Number one, make your words a well of life. That's pretty simple. But it's amazing how many people's words are not a well of life. They're a well of discouragement. They're a well of complaint and criticism of everything that's wrong with the world. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says this, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Do you hear that? The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. I wonder if somebody's dipping into the well called you at your workplace, what comes out? Is it words that build or is it words that destroy? I'll give you another one, Proverbs 10, 14. These are all just one chapter, by the way, of Proverbs. We could have gone to many. There's literally scores and scores of them. It says the mouth of the foolish is near to destruction. And when it says that, what it means is this, they're always talking about the things that are not going right. 
They're always talking about the, about the things that are breaking down. They're always talking. Now, I'm not suggesting at all because the Bible doesn't. Go read the Psalms where David brings his complaint before God. I get that. But, you know, if that's your entire posture in life, if that's the way that you live your life, then you'll never be a wellspring for anybody else. The lips of the righteous, verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Are, are you feeding people around about your life? I'm not talking about pretending or some kind of positive, you know, vibe thing. You know what I mean? You know, that kind of Pollyannaish thing. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's just so, you know, denies the negative. But you know what? I don't have to deny the negative to be speaking something that God is doing or speaking a word of encouragement. I've never, how many people here like to be encouraged? How many of you don't like to be encouraged? Go, no, I've had enough of that. I'm sick of that. I just want someone to come along and tell me how rubbish I am and just basically to point out all my faults and to tell me that I'm never going to make it and I'm a complete loser. Just show me your hand because I'm going to pray for you straight up that God will deliver you because you need it. Amen. How many people are going to, I actually want encouragement. You know what? I'm, I, I think in my entire life I've met one person who when I tried to encourage them said, stop. Don't even talk to me. Just one. That was a man in hospital I went to pray for at the family request and, and uh, he turned his back to me and rolled over and he said, I've never, I've never reached out to God in all of my years. He was an older, much older man. Uh, never reached out to God and I'm not going to start now. And despite my pleadings, he, would not, uh, he wouldn't let God. I think God loved him no matter how much of a dipstick he'd been all the way along. I think God loved him. That was just for you there, brother. I had lunch with my friend David Nah this week and I said the word dipstick. He said, I must remember this word. <laughs> do you speak words that build dreams or do you speak words? A drop kick. Oh, well, we must get them right. There's drop kick and dipstick. But same, same. Summer, summer. Do you speak words that build dreams or destroy them? Seriously. I'm not talking about, you know, those kind of people who just come up and they want to, you know, oh, you're amazing. No, no, you really are. I feel like Carl Barron there for a minute. No, no. It's me just dropping it up. Popular culture reference, don't worry about it, Bruce. <laughs> Seriously, though, do you lift people up? I meet people all the time. I was talking to a, a lady I only know from coffee because she's often down where I am at coffee and she's telling me how the whole world's bad and whatever and everything else. And I'm looking at and I say, but thank God for all the doctors that are helping you. She goes, oh. And you know, it's amazing. One word of encouragement often arrests all the stuff that's going on. You know, and I'm not trying to pretend that she doesn't have issues. She's got massive ones. But I'm not trying to pretend. I'm just trying to say, but let me give you something that will encourage you. Amen? Come on. Do you lift people or lower them? Do you discourage or encourage? Here's number two. These are very simple. This is not going to be a long message. Famous last words. Here's the second thing. Because that one, I know lots of you here are going to go, yeah, I know that I've heard that. I've heard that preaching about 
Yeah, I've heard about you know being a positive speaker. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I know that Jesus said, you know, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Yeah, I know that. I know that the scripture says, Second Corinthians four thirteen. You know, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak, and we also believe and therefore we've spoken. Yeah, I know that Jesus said, speak unto the mountain. Be thou removed, be thou cast seen, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the words that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. But I find so many people know all the Bible verses, but when you actually listen to their conversation, it's got nothing to do with Bible verses, and it's got everything to do with the way I feel, and everything to do with what I'm seeing around about my life. Amen? If you want to be a wellspring of life, you've got to change the way you speak. Simple as that. Amen? Here's number two. Quickly, share your convictions, not your opinions. In this social media saturated world, we are inundated with opinions about everything. I feel, I think, I think they are probably the great focus of the 21st century world. If you don't believe me, just watch the news tomorrow night on television or listen to it tomorrow. I guarantee there will be an interview with somebody saying, yes, but how did you feel? And somehow or other in our world right now, we have made what I think and what I feel the most important thing in life. Now, over here on this little whiteboard, and I hope you can see it, which colour can you see better, this one or this one? The first one, or this one. No, all right, great. Then we're back to blue, ready? Turn it that way, because there's some of you over there that can't see anything at all. Because this is First Thessalonians, that's not coming up on the screen for you, sorry about that, but I only just wrote it down. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says this. It says, and I pray God that your whole spirit Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it, I'll quote it to you again. It says, And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know whether you're aware, but God just doesn't view you as being a spirit. He just doesn't view you as a spiritual space. In other words, He's not just, that's why church it's always got to be a lot more than just I came, I worshipped, I felt the presence of God, I, I heard the Word, I amended it and then I go out and then I start doing the other parts of life. Because if you act like that and live like that, you're always going to be a slightly off-balanced believer. It says, I pray God, your whole spirit and, everyone say and. And, important word in this. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you this way. The spirit part of you, the part of you that gets born again, the inner part of you, the real you, that's the I believe part. And your soul, the I think part. And your body, the I feel part. Science will now tell you that different hormones and whatever in your life, body physiologically, will produce certain emotions in your life. And this is what it's saying. God's saying there's the I believe part, there's the I think part and the I feel part. 
But so many people's whole life is based around simply the I think part. And there's so many Christians for whom I've, I've lost count over the years, the number of people want to come and argue about something they think and about, well, I think this and I think that. And I go, well, actually, have all the opinions you like. Opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got them and most of them stink. <laughs> Just a thought. The corollary to that or the, the, the next part of that is the body I feel. And so there are some believers who spend their entire life trying to feel God or trying to feel close to God. And because they don't feel close to God, uh, you know, they, they wander away from God. Well, I don't feel like God loves me anymore. Well, you can feel all kinds of things. Again, go read the Psalms where David always very honestly and transparently before God talks about the emotions that are flooding through him. The Apostle Paul said at one point, he said, you know what? I feel I have felt in despair. He says, when we're in Macedonia, we despaired even of life. In other words, he recognised that the emotions that were coursing through him at that time, the things that he felt were very real. I'm not suggesting they're not. But I want you to notice something. First Thessalonians 5.23 doesn't start with these. It starts with this. It starts with the I believe. The most important part of your whole being is the I believe part. It's meant to lead the I think part and the I feel part. The I think part, the opinion part. And as I said, you know, so many people have got opinions about so much stuff that's going on in their world. And, and you know, the difference, let me give you quickly the difference between the two because opinions are about, well, I, I think this, Convictions are about, I believe this. Opinions can intrigue you or entertain you, but convictions give strength. And I began to understand how to help people a lot more once I understood this picture and this principle. I'll leave that up there at the end of the service. You can come up if you want to take a photo of it. But let me give this to you because I think it's actually quite powerful and it's contained in that scripture we started off in 2 Timothy where Paul says about the faith that was in you. He's talking about the I believe part of you and the convictions that you hold. And so from time to time, you know, in the last week or so, people have said to me, how do you feel about that? But because I've learned something about how to create an atmosphere and an environment of faith to be a wellspring, and I haven't arrived, but I've learned a couple of things. I've learned this, I can turn around and say, well, let me tell you what I believe. And straightway, whenever you say that to somebody, you just took I think and I feel off the table. It's no longer, because you know what? If I tell you what I think, you can come back, well, I don't agree with you. And I think this is an argument. But you cannot have an argument with me about what I believe. Because it's my conviction. Huh? You can have all kinds of feelings. Some of you here are going to have feelings of despair or loneliness or rejection or um, a, a thousand different things and you might have them all in one day. Can just go through you. Come on, hello. Please hear me here. I'm as human as you are. And I can have days where I don't feel great and I don't feel victorious and I don't feel like God is really all-powerfully zooming, coursing through every corpuscle of the blood in my veins. Yeah, maybe you feel that, but I don't. I can have all kinds of stuff go. 
And I've learned that as long as I start making the I think or the I feel part of me, why did so many Christians get lost in mental arguments and debates in their own head? Well, yeah, but what about and how come and what if? Listen, if you, go, if you live in that space, you'll always be an off-balance Christian. If you live in the I feel, you'll have some days that you feel like God is all smoking over you like Lord. And then you'll have other days where you don't even feel saved. Huh? Well, you don't even feel like God is anywhere close to you. If you live out of those two, you're always going to be fighting yourself. So what's the answer to that? Start where God starts. I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Don't start with the I think and the I feel. Start with the I believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. From the message version says this, we're not keeping this quiet, not on your life, just like the psalmist who wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe. Amen. Well, come on. I'm hoping this is helping you here, as simple as it is. Because I know sometimes when I feel like pressure, I was talking to a business person in our church just this week who was telling me how like, it's almost like everything's lined up, you know, one after another. I'm going to speak about that in a couple of Sunday mornings' time about the four giants you've never heard of. One of them is the oh no, not again giant. Because I know what that one looks like. I've faced it several times. Oh, here it goes again. I'll hear that thing again. And let me tell you, when you get to that, you better understand about how to make your words a wellspring of life and you better understand how to start with the, well, this is what I believe. And many's the time I've gone walking that dog. That dog, if that dog is not saved and goes to heaven, it's not my fault. Because I tell you, it's heard more preaching. It's heard more praying in tongues. It's heard more in Jesus' name over it than, than any animal on the planet. As I go walking the thing around in Jesus' name and I'm there and I'm saying this and I'm declaring this is what I believe. This is what I believe. And I've learned start there. Are you with me here? Start there. Come on. If you're here tonight and you go, oh, I'm struggling. Oh, emotionally, I'm all over the place. Mentally, oh God, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Can I say to you, go home tonight and sit down and write down a piece of paper. This is what I believe. I believe this about me because I believe what God says. And this is what he says. He says, I'm called. Do you know, I don't always feel called. You go, really? No, I don't. Some days I just feel more ordinary than anybody. And you don't feel that. But I've learned I don't start with the I think. And I don't start with the I feel. I start with the I believe. And when I start there, I always end up, listen, I always end up getting the other two right. I find when I start with the I think and I start with the I feel, I believe it never gets right. It's always screwed up. It's always messed up. I end up going, oh, I don't know what I believe anymore. How many people have ever heard someone say, I don't know what I believe anymore? I don't want to believe anymore. What they're telling you is they started in the wrong place. So come back into, start with I believe. I believe God's good. Hayden said it tonight. It was a quote out of Psalm 119, verse 62 or 3. It says, for you are good and you do good. That's, a, that's an I believe spot. That's where I start with I believe that God, this is what you say about my life. 
I believe I'm called. I believe I'm blessed. I believe I'm blessed even if, if it looks absolute rubbish. I believe I'm blessed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. This is what I believe. So share your convictions. And you don't have to be, you know, I mean, I might be a saint in Jesus' name, but if I was in your workplace, I'm not going to say, if someone says to me, oh man, be worried about the job. Well, I believe in Jesus' name that the Holy Ghost is going to lead me and guide me. Because they're just going to go, and pretty soon they're out of the lunchroom and you're sitting on your own from now on. But, you know, I find if someone says to me, well, I'm a bit worried about this. Well, you know, I believe that good things come to our life. And I can say it like that. I don't have to say in Jesus' name and as it says in Romans 4.23 or as it says in Proverbs 17. You know, I don't have to. It's not, it's not a preaching moment. It's a life moment. Are you with me? So number one, make your words a well of life. Number two, share your convictions, not your opinions, not your feelings. Here's number three. This, you can't get any simpler than this. But I'm praying that it'll refresh you. That is demonstrate. Find a way to demonstrate your faith. So simple. But it obviously needs to be said because listen to the Apostle James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And listen to the, what he said. And then whenever you read this in the Scripture, understand there was a reason why they had to say it. And the reason I had to say it was because there was a lot of people who were struggling with that very issue. So when James says this in James chapter 2, verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by your works, by my works. In other words, he's saying, if I want to be a giver of faith to other people, there needs to be some demonstration of what I believe. That's why for my wife and I, whenever we've got into financial difficulty or restriction, always, without fail, in the last 40-something years, I'm glad she's not here for me to have to try and remember it. Uh, but yeah, I think, it, is it 40? Does anyone remember? Or is that 41? It's my wife. Thank you very much, Hayden. You are useless for that. But I'm just encouraging you that you at least responded. Um, let my words be a wellspring of life. <laughs> anyway, whatever it is, it's a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah, plastic surgery is so good. Uh, but whenever we've got into a place of restriction, in all the years we've been married, the first thing we do is give. We find a way to bless other people. And you go, are you nuts? That's the opposite of what you should, you should be holding on to everything you've got. I go, no, you don't understand the way faith works. Faith doesn't work in the sense of, of some kind of a denial of what's going on. Faith acts, as I said this morning, faith's unreasonable to people that are looking on. So we've always found a way. I don't know what it is that you want to do. Maybe you're here tonight and your dream is to study something, but you just keep going, oh, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Can you hear what comes out of the mouth? Oh, I'm too old. No, I've, I wouldn't know how to study anymore. I think I'd struggle. And, and the words that you speak are forming something. Well, then you go around and you get all the opinions of everyone else. Your family, oh, no, you're way too stupid. Don't you remember in grade 10, you were useless. 
You didn't hardly pass English. How would you ever do it? And so you go straight into the I think space. Then, of course, you immediately look into the I feel space. Well, I feel inadequate. I don't think I could. And before long, you are there and you've got no chance whatsoever of that thing coming to pass. But if you would go back to, what do I believe here? God, what do you want to do? And maybe what you ought to do is go back and do some small course that will at least get you going in the right direction. Amen. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I've struggled so much with depression. And can I say, depression's a curse and a horrible thing for anyone's life. Anyone who's ever been through it or suffered from it will never make light of it. And I'm sure not going to do that tonight. But, you know, maybe you're there and you go, Jeff, what can I do? Well, you could start making your words a wellspring of life. You cannot give people what you ain't got. <laughs> Write that down. But it's true. Amen. You can't give me the flu unless you had the flu. Huh? Even then I'm not having the flu. But, you, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? You can't catch something that you ain't got. And I'm convinced that faith is more caught than it's taught. Amen. Get around people that have like faith. That's what the scripture says. That's why being a part of church, that's why hello, like if you aren't in worship, goodness gracious, I think it is, it's like faith on steroids is what worship is. Is that a good thing to say? But it is. Because we don't sing songs like, Oh, I'm such a loser. I don't know why he bothers. I'm such a dipstick. I'm not sure why he cares. There's probably no heaven for me at any rate. I'm just such a loser. He'll smack me in the head. That didn't even rhyme. We don't sing songs like that. We sing songs like you're a victorious, that God loves you, that he's there for you. My goodness, get into that space. I don't know about the rest of you here. My whole week gets supercharged every Sunday, not from the preaching, because I'm not there going, oh, that was awesome, Jeff. Man, I'm with you. you <laughs> preach that. Woo! Some of you look like you're just not really sure whether you've come to church or not. Huh? But for me, getting in the place of worship, I go, if you can be in that service tonight, in the worship, and not feel your spirit be lifted and come out of there with a greater I believe, then you better check your pulse. That's all I can say. Demonstrate your faith. Find some way to do something. You suffer from depression. Well, depression's always going to bring the entire focus about you. So what would I suggest you do? I'd say go find some way to serve somebody else. Stand up, Amanda. This is Amanda Rallaby. Amanda is our leader of hope. Turn around so they can all see your gorgeous look. And uh, that's Amanda. She's a wonderful person, great leader, and doing some phenomenal things. If you say, I'm struggling with that, I'd go and see her after the service and say, is there any way I can help this week? And go and do it. I've told people all over the years, you know, if they say, I can't get a job, I say, come volunteer. Come serve in the church. Do it every day. I guarantee the devil will get off your case and you'll get a job because he wants to get you out of here. huh? And I've had them do that. Come and start serving. Pretty soon they get jobs and they're out. Amen? Why? Because they start acting out of the opposite spirit. You have got people waiting around about you who really need your faith. There's people around about your life that need you to be a wellspring of more than just 
public opinion. There's people around about us that need us to be a lot more than simply another voice of the crowd. They need to hear something great from our life. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just believe that without being silly about it. Start with yourself. Proverbs says this, it says, no, sorry, it's Psalm 13, verse 2. It says, uh, depression, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I would encourage you, become a good speaker to yourself and in your world. Build some faith that other people need from your life. Amen. Come on, pray with me a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that there are people, that there are divine appointments for us this week. It'll look like coincidence. It'll look like it just happened. And yet there's some divine appointments, Lord, where people with need are going to come across our path. Lord, would you give us wisdom so that we minister life to them out of the wellspring you've put in us? Maybe out of what we've heard this week, this weekend here in church, God, where we're going to go out of here going, I want to be a blessing. I'm going to speak words of life to other people in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you'll help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Just I want to pray for people here. I don't know who you all are necessarily or what your life's about, but there's some of you here and, you know, you need to start with you. Maybe you come from a background where nobody spoke well, nobody had words of life. Maybe what you're more used to is being told what you're not good at or what you can't do. Tonight you need to say to God, God, would you help me start building a wellspring of life? Would you help me start doing something more? Some of you here, it goes way back to when you were a kid. They told you that you would never amount to much, that you're, you're an idiot or you're silly or, you know, you're clumsy or a whole lot of stuff. And maybe tonight you just need to say, God, I'm going to come before you and let you rebuild me. I'm going to start with this is what I believe. Lord, would you help me to grow that part of my life? Because I want you to be able to use me. I want it so it's second nature, Lord, that when my mouth opens, out comes life. That what comes out of my heart is what I believe, not what I think or what I feel. That if all somebody saw was the way I act, they'd know there goes a person of purpose, there goes a person of conviction, there goes somebody who believes they've got a future. I pray you'll help us all, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Just if that's you, just lift your hands before God right now and receive from God. We don't ever preach here just so that your mind gets data. We preach and then we believe the Holy Spirit wants to have some moments to impact you and to work with you and to go, come on, let me fix that. Let me adjust that. Let me change that inside of your thinking. Come on, this is for you. Never be embarrassed to respond to God. Never think, well, people would somehow rather think less of me. Well, actually, who cares? What I want is I want God's answers for my life. In Jesus' name. I want God to be able to build something in me so that He can do more through me in the name of Jesus. So if that's you, just hold your hands out before God and tell the Lord, Lord, I'm receiving tonight. Lord, I'm receiving. 
So many people are wanting God to turn up and wipe it away. Proverbs 9 verse 1 says, Wisdom builds the house. It builds the house. Maybe God will do an instant thing in your life. I've seen Him do it many times. But I've seen Him far more often build lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand with me a minute. Let's worship God for a few minutes. Come on, let's take time in the presence of God.